morning. It is a beautiful Monday morning. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I am here in my southern office of beautiful Naples, Florida. That's right. That's right. If you catch me, uh, you might catch me tanning. That's right. You might catch me in a thong on Vanderbilt Beach. You might catch me, you know, doing things that vacationers do down here. But I got you every morning. I don't miss work, baby. I've been sick. I don't miss work. And by the way, thanks to my friend Jim Coyle. Jim Coyle, yesterday, we were on the same flight. I'm sitting there. I'm feeling terrible. Uh, out of the blue, uh, the, the the flight attendant says, hey, are you Dan? I said, yeah. He goes, these are for you. Hands me two Buffalo Trace. Next thing you know, I'm like, this sounds good. Boom, boom. I'm back in business, baby. That's right. I don't know what it was. I've been, I've been struggling for four days. But, hey, a couple Buffalo Trace, and away we go. That's right. Away we go. All right. We saw this weekend an absolute glorious, and I mean glorious, NFL slate, a ridiculous NBA slate. But let's open up with Jacoby Myers and the play-by-play of the Patriots. Jacoby Myers throwing the ball backwards. Chandler Jones grabs it, knocks over Mac Jones, touchdown, the dumbest play in the history of football. Congratulations, Chuck Pagano. You no longer are involved in the dumbest play in the history of football. Let's hear it. Uh, we got it? Uh-oh. We know gots. Well, you guys let me know when you got the audio, uh, but uh, let's talk others. Let's talk Colts. Let's talk it. Colts, 33, Vikings, nothing. 33 to nothing. That's it. 33 to nothing at halftime. Then what happens? Ladies and gentlemen, 36 straight points. Jeff Saturday, leader of men. Oh, he's a leader of men. What are we going to do? Are we going to lead men or are we going to coach football? Matt Ryan. Uh, I mean, let me, uh, do we have Matt Ryan's wife's tweet up that she sent, which was unbelievable as well. The world is insane right now. It is absolutely insane. And the Colts decide at 33 to nothing that they were going to stop playing. It was the largest comeback in the history of the NFL. Matt Ryan was awful. The offensive line was terrible. The entire thing was ridiculous. And next thing you know, the Colts stinks. How? How? Let me ask you a question. How do you give up 36 straight points? Six scores. And when it went to overtime, was there any, and I mean any doubt, that we were going to, the Colts, get beat? Was there any doubt? Uh, I'm sitting watching the game in uh, Banker's Life Arena or Gainbridge, whatever they're calling it, with a bunch of Colts fans because my son had a basketball game and we were watching the football game and we're going, what in the hell? What are we doing? We got nothing. The Colts couldn't do a thing. And Jeff Saturday, leader of men, leader of men, what in the, what are we doing as a leader of men? Uh, aren't we supposed to get going here? Aren't we supposed to win a game? The Colts are abysmal. And listen to this. I want you to hear me out on this. Listen to this. Colts are going to pay $9 million a year for three more years to Frank Reich. I, I, I want you to listen to this very closely. Frank Reich was so inept at his job that Frank Reich is going to get 
nine million a year for a few more years. Even for one year, a million a year is ridiculous. But Frank Reich is going to get that kind of green coming up. And I can't believe it. Actually, I can't believe it. Remember, this is the organization that gave Andrew Luck $24 million to go away. $24 million to say goodbye. $24 million to say adios. Laganoch. And now they're going to give Frank Reich about $36 million, $35 million all told. Can you believe that? To be inept. To not make the playoffs. To make the playoffs, I'm sorry, twice, once, excuse me, without Andrew Luck. Never win a playoff game. I guess he maybe won one with Andrew Luck. To never win the worst division in football. This man is going to walk away with $9 million a year for the next three or four years. I want you to think about that real quick. That's a lot of money. So Kirk Cousins, I got all of our bosses going, yeah, well, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins stinks, Gary. I see you, Gary. Well, see, Jeff Saturday's great. Kirk Cousins stinks. You know what every Colts fan did? Tell me I'm wrong about this, Colts fan. Tell me I'm wrong. But every Colts fan did this. Uh, they live bet the Vikings. They got 44 to 1 on it. True story. I guarantee you. Colts fans live bet the Vikings said, hey, look, we know what's coming. We know what's coming. Now, you could have gotten 26 and a half points. But we all knew what was coming. I mean, let's just be honest. I can't express to you enough, and I'm going on too long, and I'm going to move on. But Jeff Saturday, I don't even think you can go back to the booth. Just go home. You're in Canton, biggest loss of all time. Apologies, Aaron Perini and Josh Allen. Did I say Josh Allen's eyes were bad? Did I say his eyes were bad? Uh, forget about me. Every once in a while, I am dead wrong, and that was one. Dead wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. Josh Allen, four touchdowns. Josh Allen's a stud. Aaron Perini, she was on the show last weekend. She's a uh, Bills fan. And guess what? I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I couldn't be more wrong. Tyler Bass with the field goal. It was snowing. It was fun. It was one of the few NFL games where you're like, man, it made me feel cozy to watch. Because normally it's antiseptic, right? Normally it's artificial turf. Nobody's got, everybody runs out of bounds. This was old school. I'm going to kick your, you know what, in the backyard, in the snow. That was fun. That wasn't even a little fun. That was fun. And I owe an apology. I do. I owe an apology to Aaron Perini for even questioning, questioning even a little bit, Josh Allen, and of course to Josh Allen. I don't care if you screw it up. Uh, the eyes are going to have it. Uh, Dylan and Ryan, we're going to play the audio when we get to the Raiders and the Patriots. That was my bad. I started out. I screwed it up. Uh, Eagles and the Bears. Let, let's make no mistake about this, okay? Let's make no mistake. I, I know there are some candidates, and Josh Allen is one. I know there are candidates for MVP. But if you're legitimately going to say, hey, look, um, who is having the best year? Who is having the biggest impact on the NFL season for a winning team? Because I believe you got to win. I do. I, I, look, I remember when Andre Dawson won the MVP 1987, I think. Cubs finished last. Even as a lifetime Cub fan, I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. No, nah, no, nah, no good. No, nah, not great. But the truth of the matter is, I don't think 
anybody is having at all the year that Jalen Hurts is having. Jalen Hurts ran for three touchdowns yesterday. He couldn't feel his hands. He said it was nasty. And so they seen, you know, this was a grinded out win. This is like when you got to go to the bathroom and you just got to get it out. You just got to go. You just, it's just grinding it out. Three touchdowns. I don't know what to tell you. Josh Fields is fun to watch. He's got a thousand yards as the quarterback of the Bears. But hey, look, uh uh-uh. uh. Now, this is Jalen Hurts, and we're all just hanging in there. Look, he is, he has 13 rushing touchdowns. The rookie record is 14. All right. I don't care about a rookie record. Mm-mm. He also threw for 315 yards. Look, I understand everybody's got their guy, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. I get it. We all got our guy. But they ain't nobody playing like Jalen Hurts. Nobody. And isn't it amazing? You're talking about a guy that got benched in college. You're talking about a guy that got benched in the most embarrassing way. National championship, second half, halftime. Tua comes in for Hurts. Next thing you know, Hurts transfers. Next thing you know, third-round pick. Next thing you know, he's going to be MVP of the league. It's a great story. And it tells you the character of the kid. It really does. It's fascinating to me that Jalen Hurts is getting all that done. <clears throat> all right. Let's see. Chargers and Titans. We're going to talk to our friend Chad Withrow coming up here from Tennessee. The collapse of the Titans is now very serious. We would have thought, ladies and gentlemen, that while the Titans were collapsing, or if the Titans were going to collapse, guess what? It would have been the Colts that would have taken advantage of it. But au contraire, Lee Ross, au contraire, it is the Jacksonville football Jaguars that are sitting there one game behind. One game behind, that's it. What a freaking turnaround. Jacksonville has won three out of four. They go to the Jets on Thursday night. They go to Houston. And then the last game is at home against Tennessee. Guess what Jacksonville's already done? Jacksonville has already beaten Tennessee. So as we sit here right now, ladies and gentlemen, Jacksonville has the tiebreak. But it's all going to come down. Here's what, here's what the Titans have to do. Home against Houston. Home against Dallas. At Jacksonville. May I would have, I, look, I thought a few weeks ago, I think everybody would have thought a few weeks ago the Titans were rolling. But guess what? Not anymore. They stinks. And you can't just blame it on Tannehill. you got to blame it across the board. I mean, you got to blame everybody. I guess firing the general manager didn't really solve the problem. And I, I would have said to you a few weeks ago, look, I don't know what you're thinking, but I know what I'm thinking. Mike Vrabel, coach of the year, Poppy Kosh, guess who won again yesterday? The Detroit Football Lions. Dan Campbell for coach of the year. All right, the dumbest play in football was the fake punt Colts, Chuck Pagano against Bill Belichick. I think it was a Monday night or Sunday night football. The dumbest play in the history of football. The dumbest until yesterday. Now, Jacoby Myers, I'm going to set this up, ends up being the guy that screws it up royally. Stupidest play you're ever going to see. I would have cut him by the time the uh, Chandler Jones got into the end zone. All right? Here's the call from the New England radio network, including Scott Zolak at the end. you got to hear it. Now on a third and ten, three seconds left. Jones will give it to Stevenson. He's trying to run. He runs it up the middle. Hit by Chandler. Jones slips the head across the 45 with a stiff arm. Off the tackle at the 40. He lost the football. And Jacoby Myers. 
picks it up. He circles back and he throws it across the field. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> this might be the dumbest teams I've ever seen. That sums it up. See, here's the deal. And as a coach, uh, you know this. The guy that does the talk, when he ain't that good, karma always comes to get him or her. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you, Jacoby Myers, a few weeks ago, when Mac Jones got benched, got mouthy. Now, Jacoby Myers has accomplished nothing other than be in the NFL, which is a hell of an accomplishment. But Jacoby Myers was the mouth. They benched Mac Jones. Guess who got mad? Jacoby Myers. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. Well, now guess what? Who made the biggest mistake? Jacoby Myers. What happened? Well, Jacoby Myers decided, if you haven't seen it, to turn and throw the ball backwards in a tie game. I don't know if he didn't know what was going on. I assume he had no idea. I assume he thought it was tied or they were down. I don't know what he thought. But it was legitimately the stupidest play you will ever see. The fake punt is the stupidest play in the history of football the Colts did. Uh, and you can look it up on YouTube. But I got to tell you, without question, that play yesterday trumps everything in terms of in-game stupidity. So good for Jacoby Myers. He got to be a mouth. Good for Jacoby Myers. He got to be a guy that we're all supposed to sit here and go, yay, you're right. Belichick isn't as smart as you. Well, turns out ain't nobody dumber than you. And I'll give you that much. All right. And tonight, tonight we got the Rams and the Packers. Tonight, the only thing interesting about the Rams and the Packers is I want to see what Baker Mayfield does now that he's on the team. Remember last week, Baker Mayfield wasn't really on the team. Baker Mayfield was kind of on the team. Baker Mayfield got there on Tuesday and led him to a massive victory. I mean, a massive, massive, massive victory. Well, guess what? Baker Mayfield is now on the team. And Baker Mayfield, ladies and gentlemen, gets his chance against Aaron Rodgers. Now we're also going to see what's going to happen with Jordan Love. Jordan Love is talking about a trade. The game really shouldn't, it should have been interesting way back. It isn't interesting now. And that's unfortunate. It should be. But there's nothing interesting because the Rams have been terrible, awful. And frankly, uh, the Packers have been the same. But, and I'm going to say this, you see, you see the guy in the clips there, McVay? Let me tell you something about McVay. McVay went Ditka. I've told you this before. Don't ever go Ditka. He won a Super Bowl. Who's doing all the ads? McVay. McVay's doing all the ads. Uh, McVay doesn't need to be doing all the ads. That's a problem. I'm telling you, I get it. He wants to make every dollar, but so do his players. His players want to make money too. I'm telling you, this is the kind of stuff you won't get anywhere else. Uh, you guys think that that's nonsense. Well, all you got to do is look at the 30 for 30 on the 1985 Chicago Bears. And the 1985 Chicago Bears were blanked off because Mike Ditka got all the endorsements. They all wanted to make money. They had some. They had some. 
But Mike Ditka had most, if not all. And that ruined the team. College basketball. College basketball last night or this weekend starts and ends with Indiana. Indiana, my Hoosiers, I'm wearing my Hoosiers proudly. Indiana went into Kansas. I didn't expect them to win. Now, you got to understand about Indiana. Indiana's got all the experience in the world. They got two of everything. They got a fifth year senior, a sixth year. They got this, that, and the other. We have a savior as a coach named Mike Woodson. I like Woody. Woody's a little older than me, played at Indiana. But Indiana did not compete. And folks that were there, and there was a ton of them, I mean, a ton of them, said, How do you come out lifeless? How do you come out with no energy? How do you come out intimidated when you have an older team? Well, I don't know the answer to that, except coaching. And when I watched Indiana take on Bill Self, I got to tell you, it wasn't close. It wasn't even close. Bill Self, and I want to talk about coaching for a second, then I'm going to get into daughters and all this kind of stuff. Bill Self is usually, and I want you to think about this. This is why you come to our show. A high-low, insight-oriented coach. Play from the top of the key, look down. A ball screen, do all the stuff other teams do, but essentially it's feed the post, feed the post. Bill Self won a national championship. He's won two. Bill Self, for whatever the reason, studied his team. And Bill Self decided, you know what, we're going to cut hard. We're going to tight cut. You set a screen and you curl into the lane. We're going to do all of these things, and we're going to do it fast, and we're going to do it hard, and we're going to do it better than the defense can react to. It's totally a change for how he's played in the past, but he can coach. Mike Woodson, on the other hand, comes in with the Indiana head coach as a guy that should be able to do that. NBA coaches have seen everything. NBA coaches have seen it all. I mean, they used to, or usually, are the guys with the best sets, man. College coaches across the country go to NBA practices. They study NBA because the 24-second clock, you get quick hitters. You get great action. Kick, boom, 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 boom. Indiana is the worst coach team in college basketball. Indiana offensively, defensively, whatever. But offensively, they have a center named Trace Jackson Davis, who's very good. They have four guys around them that simply stand. When you see a team stand, that means a team isn't very well coached. When you see a team stand, that means there's no ingenuity, there's no scheme, there's no system. Where you can hide that in college basketball is set a ball screen. Indiana will set a couple ball screens. But there's nothing that Indiana does against good teams. Now, they may play Elon coming up here this week, and you'll see something. But when they play good teams, they stand. Dick Vitale was brilliant when he said, hey, look, how about you get the ball to Trace Jackson Davis in different ways? Well, they didn't. So the fallout is this. The fallout is a tweet that I sent because this is my lifeblood. This is my lifeblood. This is 17 years of getting screamed at, punched, punching coach night. I mean, insanity. This is a program that told me I wasn't good enough to be there. And I'm cool with that. Hey, it's, it was a blessing. But I watch, and I told you this was a really good team. I told you from the get-go. This is a team that is as talented as any and as experienced as most, if not all. Well, they play like crap against good teams. Blown out at Rutgers, blown out by Arizona, 
blown out by Kansas. If you're Indiana, who are you supposed to beat? I mean, Arizona and Kansas have been through NCAA rigmarole for three years, and yet they're still good. When does Indiana get good? So I put a tweet out that is factual. At least I think it's factual. Let's show my tweet, and it will show Mike Woodson's daughter's reaction to it. It's time for Woodson to stop with the three naps a day. Stop with the watching of CNN. Now, people took that as a political. No, they put CNN on. It's what they watch. Stop with the saunas and coach. Actually, put time in coaching offensively and defensively. Randy Whitman's an All-American, a kid I play with, a kid I like. I don't respect him as a coach, but he's a guy I like. He was a leader of a team, All-American. I looked up to Whitman. He's some kind of paid uh, consultant. Whitman is supposedly a paid advisor. What's he do? What do these guys coach? Now, what, maybe Woodson only takes two naps. Maybe it's only a nap, but he'll do nothing. So Mike Woodson's daughter, Mariah, decides to come at me with this. She came at me last year with some nonsense, and she decides to come at me with this. Let's show Mariah's tweet. LOL, oh, shut up. It's time for you to get a life. You have way too much time on your hands. Why don't you put time in finding a hobby, you miserable prick? Well, I'm not miserable. I'm a lot of fun. And good for you, Mariah. Yeah, good for you. If, my, if I got attacked like that, I would want my daughter to defend me. I do get attacked like that. My kids always want to defend me. I'm like, nah, stay out of it. It's my deal. Don't worry about it. The Indy Star attacks me all the time. And I say, nah, don't worry about it. So Mariah defends her dad. And I say, salute, Mariah. It doesn't change the fact that he needs to get off his backside. And coach, it doesn't change the fact that he got rid of Thad Mata and Dane Fife, the two guys on his staff that could actually coach. Doesn't change that. But good for Mariah. Hey, I'm not going to criticize a daughter for defending her dad. Daughters and dads, man, we got this special thing. I say good for you, Mariah. I say continue to bring it. Yet last year, she brought it strong, and Indiana fans all get excited. Yay, you go, girl. That's why I say it too. But it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to me who comes at me with Indiana basketball. The one thing that I know is Indiana basketball. The one thing that I know better than anybody in the world is Indiana basketball, how to recruit to it, how to talk about it, what it's about, and what it should look like. So I give Woody's got any other kids. I don't know his family, but come at me too. But I ain't stopping because Indiana basketball is a wreck. Indiana basketball is a mess. Indiana basketball is uncoached. The coaches are lazy. There's a guy at the end that sleeps on the bench named Armand Hill. Hell, I've seen, I didn't even know his name. He slept on the bench of damn NBA teams. I think, I don't know this for sure, but I was told the Clippers fired both Woodson and Hill for falling asleep in meetings. It's time to get going. That's all I'm saying. I don't care. Why is Gonzaga always good? Why is Alabama, who, who played Gonzaga, got beat by Gonzaga? Why is Gonzaga always good and Indiana can't beat? Can somebody explain that to me? Uh, it, it, please, explain it to me. I'll listen. I will. I swear to God, I'll listen. Alabama, they fire coaches left and right. All of a sudden, they got Nate Oates in here. They get beat, but they're fourth in the country. Indiana doesn't beat a good team. Indiana needs to go back to the Big Ten where the teams are slower, the ankles are thicker, and away you go, and then you can be comfortable, make the tournament and whatever. Why is Gonzaga always good? 
Mark Few went and scored 100 on Alabama. Houston and Virginia. Now, this is a rematch of, of a long, long time ago. Long time ago game. Anyway, Houston 69-61. Why is, why is cheating Calvin Sampson? Why, why is that something? Seriously. Why, why is Calvin Sampson able to get a team in Houston into the top five, actually up to number one, five this week, and Indiana can't win a game? Uh, you tell me. You, you, you tell me. I don't know the answer to that. Why does Virginia continue to be good? You ever been to Virginia? It's all right. But Virginia's always good because Tony Bennett works at it. He doesn't take three saunas a day. He doesn't sit around with his, with his cronies taking a nap, watching CNN. People will. Uh, Kentucky stinks. All you BBN people, you got to know your team stinks. I love you. I want you. I need you. I can't live without you. But you guys stink. You can't score. I've said this, and I'll continue to say this. Bob Knight's the greatest basketball coach in the history of basketball. He went to the Elite Eight with me starting. And if I don't turn it over, he goes to the Final Four with me starting. I know the guys that played at Indiana. Calipari is a great coach. Calipari does a ton, but he's got to have great players. These are great players at Kentucky. Mick Cronin just took Kentucky to the woodshed. Mick Cronin, the coach at UCLA, he looks like a mafia Don, right? He just took Kentucky and beat the living crap out of him. Look at this, Kentucky. How much NIL money, this is what I'm starting to think now. How much NIL money is involved in Kentucky basketball? How much? I don't know, but they scored 53 points. See, let me tell you what college basketball should be if I was broadcasting games. I'd be like, hey, you see that guy sitting there on the bench next to the bench? Indiana's got these penny millionaires that are paying these players, right? I'd want change. I got change coming. Kentucky, I don't know what Oscar Sheebway's making, but somebody told me it was $3 million. They scored 53 points against UCLA. How about Arizona? Arizona has been through more crap with Sean Miller than any basketball school in the country. I mean, for years, it was Sean Miller did this, Sean Miller did that, Sean Miller, Sean Miller, Sean Miller. They whip Indiana, too. And you know what they do? They back it up by beating a very good Tennessee team. Isn't this amazing? These teams that go through all this crap hire coaches that have a little bit of energy, hire coaches that can actually coach. And guess what? They win games. Indiana, I'm still, I, I'm, I'm good with Woodson, but he's got to get off his ass. I'm great with Tommy Lloyd at Arizona. That dude works. That dude went overseas and got players. That dude isn't messing around. Hey, say whatever you want about Calvin Sampson, but he works at it. I mean, he'll go smoke c cigarettes as he drives around campus, and I love it because he doesn't want anybody to know he smokes cigarettes, and that's cool with me. That's great. But I got to tell you, all he does is win. Virginia. Hey, you know what? Tony Bennett didn't want to go to Indiana. He goes to Virginia. You know what he does? He wins. Arizona, Kansas have gone through so much crap, and yet they just win. And I got little daughters, which is fine, on my backside because Indiana has a coach that legitimately won't get off his ass, won't listen to anybody, has nobody. He's got one assistant coach 
that was involved in a cheating scandal. They thought that was smart to bring him over. He's got another that's been sleeping on the end of college benches forever. He's got another, I don't know what he does. And then he's got some young guy that works. 87,000 coaches and they can't beat a good team. Indiana needs to get back into the Big Ten where the ankles are thick, the teams are slow, and apparently the coaches don't know how to stop for round one. All right, I'm on one today. We're in Naples. I feel good. Mike Griffins is with us next. It's on, baby. And he's going to tell you, Ohio State, the Ohio State University is, ladies and gentlemen, embracing the underdog role. Oh, my God. Let me clear my throat. <laughs> we'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Griffin's 32. Mike Griffin joins us. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Thanks, Dan. I am riled up. It's the first day in five days that I don't feel sick. I've been going to bed at 6 p.m. every night. Had a couple whiskeys a guy bought me on a plane yesterday. That put you over the edge, no doubt. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what you just said other than you had a couple whiskeys on the plane. They must have been good. But uh, it's interesting. I was writing a story this weekend uh, about Ohio State looking at their media day last week. It was pretty interesting. You know, they put the Buckeyes in their indoor facility. And and Luke, Luke Whiplore, who's the center that's going to face Jalen Carter, and, you know, I feel bad for the guy, but at the same time, it's a great opportunity for him to prove himself against a, a top five NFL talent. And he was asked about being the underdog and like they're all over it. And, and I didn't under, I didn't realize this, but Ohio State had been favored in 25 straight games going into this game. This is the first time the Buckeyes have been an underdog since they played Alabama in the national title game after the 2020 season. All right, Mike, we're talking, uh, does it matter? Like, we talked about Ohio State and we talked about Georgia being the two best teams. All right, does it matter? Does it, does it matter, underdog or not, uh, or chip on his shoulder? Does Ohio State have enough? Yeah, that's a great question, Dan. You wonder about Ohio State's mentality coming off of that loss to Michigan. And even last weekend here in Kirk Herbst, you'd say, well, it really wasn't that bad until the fourth oh. quarter. Like, but. I don't know. I mean, they, look, there's a lot of talent there. There's no doubt you look at the star rankings and you look at the upside and, and ability that Ohio State has. What if they play their best game? Could they beat Georgia? I think so. If, if Ohio State plays their best game and this Georgia team is not on top of their game, and really it's been a minute since we've seen Georgia play a complete football game. I think you got to go all the way back to the, the Tennessee game when, when Georgia – was kind of upset because the college football playoff committee had ranked Tennessee over Georgia. Georgia hadn't lost a game. They were defending national champs playing at home, and the college football playoff committee and everybody in the world expected Tennessee to come into Sanford Stadium and beat Georgia. So they had this edge. But after that, you know, the dogs kind of struggled, man. I mean, they didn't look great against Mississippi State. They didn't look great for four quarters against Kentucky or, or Georgia Tech. And they gave up 548 yards to LSU, and, and the LSU played their backup quarterback half the game. So do I think C.J. Stroud and the Buckeyes' best game could be enough? It, it could if Georgia doesn't bring their A game for four quarters. And again, I do think there's something to the fact that Ohio State, when they're an underdog, it's such an unusual role because in the Big Ten, they literally move mountains. They literally change rules in the middle of the season for Ohio State football. They cater to the Ohio State Buckeyes 
in Michigan in that game. It'll never move. Every other game on the schedule is movable. Not that one. And now you're telling Ohio State they're not good enough? Like, these guys can't believe it. It's been 25 straight games they were favored. So I like where they're at mentally. At the end of the day, though, Dan, like you said, they still got to execute. They still got to play football. They got to win in the trenches. And all those four and five five star guys, they're not pushing around Northwestern or, or Purdue or Indiana. This is a five star, four star Georgia team filled with NFL players. The Buckeyes have to buck up. When you when you saw the other day, I'm just curious. Um, thirty three to nothing. The Colts were up Saturday, and all of a sudden, thirty six straight points. I'm not talking about like. I'm talking about in, in in championship or big time SEC. Have you ever seen anything like that? We were we were talking about it the other day. What have we ever seen like that? Obviously, never in the NFL. Never. It's the biggest win ever, right? Ever seen anything like that in college? Yeah, a long time ago. I, I don't know that it was 33. I want maybe 30. It was uh, they call it the choke at the doke. Florida was playing Florida State, and they were blowing them out. And Florida State came all the way back, and, and they ended up tying the game. I was surprised Bobby Bowden didn't go for two. It was back in 94. So I'm going to have to Google that for me. I want to say it was 30. But, uh, you know, teams get that momentum. And, and I'll tell you, I, I think as much as that was about the Colts, so much of that is Kirk Cousins. Yeah. You know, he, he just doesn't get any love or attention because he's, he's not the biggest, the strongest, the fastest. The guy just wins. And Kirk Cousins is an example of, of what charisma and leadership can do at the quarterback position. He has those intangibles. I think Drew Brees had that going for him. There's just certain quarterbacks that have that magic about them, that just have that ability, you know, to, to raise the level of play all the way around him. And I think Cousins is that guy, Dan. And for so many years, he's been kicked out, kicked around, and, and people kind of look down their nose at Cousins. But he's a leader, and he's a winner. And I recognize that at Michigan State. I didn't I didn't really realize that till I met the guy. Like, he was going to come back and call a game. I remember this. He was going to come back and call a spring game. And I thought, well, this is a joke. This guy's been away in the NFL. He's going to fall all over himself. I can't wait to watch this broadcast. Well, let me tell you, about five minutes in, I had my pad and paper, and I was taking notes from everything Kirk Cousins had to say. I started Googling this guy. I see him singing and dancing in high school. I mean, is there anything this guy can't do? I mean, so to me, that was a great moment for the Vikings. I don't think it happens on the road. And as great as it was for the Vikings, shame on the Colts that they couldn't get one yard on a quarterback sneak or hand it off to somebody. If you can't make a yard in the NFL at home, that's that's pathetic, Dan. The fact they couldn't get a yard, I like Saturday's call to go for it. He's a lineman. He believed in his team. But the fact those guys couldn't nut up, a Buckeye up, whatever you want to call it, that was disappointing. I always – I thought Saturday, what the heck, you might as well. Uh, but let, let's go – you're around Kirby Smart. You, you cover the team, all right? Is Kirby Smart conservative in those situations? Is he a gambler? Uh, because I used to see – I used to be fascinated by this. Like, I remember a fake field goal Les Miles called for LSU – where the holder flipped it over his head to the kicker in a massive situation. I always said SEC coaches got the big stones. You know, the big stone. Where is Kirby Smart in terms of conservative gambler? Where is he? 
Depends on the opponent, right? If he thinks the opponent can score points, then he's going to take chances and play aggressive offensively. But when he's got a championship defense, he's going to play uh, what they call a complementary football. And he's going to use that field position because he has that defense. But if he's playing a team that he fears or that he feels like they're going to need a lot of points, like I remember at LSU in, in 2018, they tried a fake punt early, or excuse me, a fake field goal early because Kirby was on the road and he wanted to take the opposition crowd out of it. So he's very much a situational guy, a calculated guy, Dan. And, and like he tells us, those decisions are made before the game. That, that's yeah. the thing about Kirby and this staff, man. There, there's no stone that's, that hasn't been unturned prior to the game. They already know what they're going to do. There's very little that just happens off gut feeling during the course of the game. He's pretty much got it scouted out. He has a pretty good idea in advance what fourth down situations, when he's going to try a, a fake punt or a fake field. For example, you know, 2018, a lot of people remember the fake punt they ran against Alabama. They had exactly, exactly the look that they wanted, but that was Justin Fields as a freshman, Dan. It's not the Justin Fields that you saw break four tackles on a 40-yard run in the NFL. It was a scared kid that didn't execute the play, and they practiced it every single week. And Kirby had Bama right where he wanted him. The whole team wanted that play run. But the freshman Justin Fields wasn't ready. He's not the Justin Fields you see now. And the truth of the matter is, they had that play in for Alabama the year before. They just didn't get the look they wanted. Kirby knew because he was on that staff. He knew what Nick was giving him. So all this stuff that looks like happenstance, no, no. These chess moves, they're plotted out months in advance and practiced throughout the season. I used to tell people this when I worked for Coach Knight, like, look, and I did the same as a head coach. Now, it didn't work out. I lost all my players to injury. But we knew every situation, what we were going to do. In fact, we didn't really even have to call timeout most times because of that. And when I see Kirby Smart, or, or let's be honest, um, I don't know Sonny Dykes. I, I haven't paid that much attention to him. I think Day's terrific. I think Hardball's terrific. Um, let me go this route now that I'm talking. I personally think Michigan rolls TCU. Are we going to not talk about TCU moving forward here? Are we not going to give them enough credit and only say they're gritty and they're gutty, that kind of thing? Yeah, you know, I've got questions because the Big 12, there's a part of me that thinks the Big 12 might be sneaky good. And, and that's based off just one game. It, it, it probably doesn't translate. I haven't worked all the transitive properties. But I saw Kansas State absolutely hammer Missouri. I mean, they beat them bad. I, something 43 to 12. I, I can't remember the exact score. Something in that neighborhood. And it was just a shocker. Because let me tell you, Missouri had Georgia 10 down in the fourth quarter in Columbia. And, and I thought to myself, wow, you know, Missouri is not horrible. You know, there's times Drinkwitz, I've wondered what he's doing out there with his coaching. I don't think the quarterback play was particularly good, but they were respectable at the line of scrimmage and Kansas State put the hammer to them. So part of me is kind of wondering, maybe, maybe the Big 12 is sneaky good. Now, the thing about TCU is they haven't really blown anybody out. I want to say eight of their games, been eight of their wins were decided by 10 points or less. And, and that grittiness and that resiliency, see, that counts for something to me. I know Michigan is very good in the trenches. They just won the Joe Moore Award as the best offensive line in college football. They got three first-team All-Big Ten offensive linemen as voted by the coaches. I get it. 
quarterback with mobility, McCarthy, hot running back, well-recruited, well-coached. But these playoff games, Dan, they're a little bit different. I know Michigan learned a lesson last year. They got spanked by Georgia. They realized they had to raise the bar. They saw they weren't there yet. But I'm just not ready to count out TCU. I mean, this is an indoor game way out west in Arizona. It's a relatively early kickoff. I'm just – maybe you're right. Maybe Michigan just gets the steamroller out. But who has Michigan really played outside the Big Ten for us to know how good the Big Ten really is? And, and I, and I guess we're all going to find out on December 31st with that doubleheader. I'm with you on that. I, I'm with you. Like, I'm not discounting them. I just don't know. Florida has to kick a field goal late to avoid an upset. That's one game. Early bowl season. Is there anything anybody can take from early bowl season thus far? You know, not really. I remember I talked to a guy that used to coach at Ohio State and Michigan State by the name of Jim Bowman. He was an offensive coordinator, been around a long time, just a wise old guy that you could go to with these questions. And I asked him, I said, you know, coach, I said, why is it that Ohio State loses to all these SEC teams over and over all these years? Is there anything to it? He said, no. He said, let me tell you. He said, the bowl season is its own season. A lot of people like to look at it as a continuation of the season. It's really not. There's a lot of things going on for those kids. Kids are leaving. Some kids get ready for the NFL. Now you know there's some kids looking at the portal. Coaches, some have one foot out the door. They're taking calls, potential opportunities. It's its own animal. It's really not the beginning of next year, and it's really not a continuum of the season. It's its own thing, and there's a lot going on. So to answer your question twofold, I'll answer another question for you. No, you shouldn't bet bowl games because you never know what's going on behind the scenes. And it's not reflective of what you've seen all year. And two, no, you can't really get a read. I mean, Florida is a program that's bottoming out. This is this is rock bottom, okay? Guys are leaving the team. Best players aren't playing. They're missing their quarterback. They're leading tackler. Their best offensive lineman. Their second receiver. The rest of the guys have opportunities, but they haven't practiced, Right versus an Oregon State team, this could be the biggest game in their program in 10 years. To beat an SEC team, to get a 10-win season, two very different motivations from those programs. You can understand why Oregon State, even though they're not as talented, would play a better football game. It meant more to them. Whereas Billy Napier's team bottoming out, getting rid of the attitudes, bringing in the new. You know, the Gators had to hit rock bottom. Dan, for the first time, since 78 and 79, Florida's had back-to-back losing seasons. Six and seven under Mullen, six and seven under Napier. And it all started so promising. Speaking of transitive properties, let's remember that Florida beat the eventual Pac-12 champion in the opener, Utah. This is a team that USC lost to twice. The Heisman Trophy winner couldn't beat the team that a mediocre Florida team beat in the opener. So what do we really think about the Pac-12? That's one transitive property that I look at. So that tells you how tough life is in the SEC. But getting back to Florida, the the tough thing for Napier is those losses have cost him confidence and it's going to hurt him in recruiting. We've seen some guys decommit. The Gators lost whatever momentum they had. They dropped their last three, man. They lose at Vanderbilt. They lose to Florida State. And now they get embarrassed by Oregon State. It makes it that much harder for that kid to put pen to paper and say, I believe in the future of this program. Hey, speaking of Florida, last thing before I let you go, Emory Jones, the quarterback that left, I think he went to Arizona, Arizona State. He visited my Hoosiers 
uh, two days ago, got picked up by a car service, drove to Cincinnati, was going from there to like Louisville. Is this guy any good? Uh, if, if As a Hoosier football fan, if Emory Jones comes to Indiana, are we back, baby? Well, that might be a little premature. I think you had a pretty good quarterback in Michael Penix. I thought you were almost back with Michael, but yeah, there he is. He's at Washington. He's coming back. He'll be a Heisman Trophy front runner. Great kid. Look, Emory Jones is a good player, but but Dan, it's it's really it's the system. It's getting the buy-in. It's it's what's at the base, the root. And you've got to build that throughout the offseason. One player isn't gonna do it for you. It's not like Indiana's one player from going over the top. It's a culture. And I look at Indiana much like I look at Kentucky. It's a basketball school. And, and people take that as an insult, but it is what it is. I mean, that's the tradition. I mean, there's nothing like an Indiana basketball game. I mean, I remember just going there and, you know, seeing those red and white stripes and seeing a, I mean, that is a classic. How, if you're a football coach, do you change that culture? It is really hard because you've got to overcome that and, and build that football mentality. And Indiana's just never, never been able to quite get over that hump. They've been so close, good coaches, good players. I just don't think it's going to happen, man. I think Purdue's got a better chance of, of overcoming their basketball than Indiana does because they're a quarterback factory. What do we know about Indiana football? I mean, what is it really known for? Uh, great tailgates outside. And I always said this, the players were always worried, at least when I was there for 17 years about the party after the game. They I never, <laughs> I have so, uh, you know, I love Tom Allen, but I, I, nah, never mind. Hey, we're getting closer. You got to keep coming on because the national championship semifinals are coming up and you're the best guy to talk, Mike. Thank you so much for everything. I appreciate it, Dan. Have a good one. That's the great my grip. Hey, look, do yourself a favor. All right. I'm going to give it to you right now. Don't be a fool. Don't be a damn fool. At Mike Griffin 32. If he writes it, read it. If he writes it, I'll retweet it. But give him a damn follow, will you please? All right. Question for my folks out there. I think, and I'm I'm asking it, but I'm also telling you, the World Cup final was the best soccer match we've ever seen in the United States as Americans. Now, I'm not going to tell you that maybe in Europe or other World Cup final, Maradona, Pele, Pele, all right, great. I don't know anything about that. I'm saying as Americans, that's the best soccer match I've ever seen. That's the best soccer match. It was end-to-end. The stars shine. Messi went two. Uh, Mbappe went three. Are you kidding me? It was freaking awesome. It went down to penalty kicks. It unbelievable. I don't know what to tell you. And look, look at Messi. I mean, when stars shine, I always say this. You guys have heard me say this, right? Look, you got to play in the big ones. You got to play in the big games. I don't care what you do against, no offense, Jackson State or Elon. You got to beat and play against Kansas. You got to play against Notre Dame. You got to play. That's when, that's, you know, baseball. You guys can tell me how great Mike Trout is. I want to hear how great Mike Trout is, but you got to do it in the big stage. He's great. But until you do it in the playoffs, I don't want to hear about it. Messi, Mbappe, are you kidding me? Goalies making, sticking their legs out. It comes down to penalty kicks. 
Didn't it just feel, though, didn't it just feel like Argentina and Messi had it going? Didn't it just feel like, you know what? I got to tell you, it just felt like fate was going to jump in. Here's why I bet Argentina. I'm watching Morocco play France in the previous game. When you're sick, you stay at home, and at 2 o'clock, soccer came on, and it was glorious. I got chips and dips in my diet, A&W root beer. And next thing you know, I'm watching, and I'm thinking Morocco's better than France. And next thing you know, it's two zip. And next thing you know, people are saying, hey, what are we doing? Well, guess what? What are we doing is, oh, I don't know, having the greatest soccer match in the history of the United States. And I, ladies and gentlemen, are there for it. Here's what Matt Ryan's wife said. What an incredible game between Argentina and France. Makes you totally forget about anything crazy that may have happened in the NFL yesterday. How great is that? Matt Ryan, there it is. Matt Ryan's the co uh, quarterback of the Colts who were up 33 to nothing, who are lost 36-33. Good for you, Sarah Ryan. Good for you. Really good. That's awesome. Look, you got to laugh at stuff. You know, people are all over me because, and I'll get to it at the end of the show, I'm going to talk about daddy and daughter relationships. But you got to just laugh at some of the things that happen to you. You just do. And if you don't, I cannot help you. Breaking news on the Colts, it looks like Jonathan Taylor is going to be out for the season. He banged up an ankle. So a miserable season gets even more miserable. Uh, that's the news coming, <laughs> coming out. Uh, a lot of you are asking me, Dan, do you understand? This is what I just, I just read this. Do you understand that the Colts gave up in the history of the NFL? That was the biggest. I understand. What do you want me to say? I understand. So there you go. Dan, you muted yourself. Okay. I certainly didn't mean to. Apparently, I got hacked somewhere. Uh, somewhere. Okay. Anyway. I don't know what to tell you. Yes, I understand. I do. Wow, this show has six, seven times as many people in the chat as the current. Oh, okay. Well, thank you for that. The biggest comeback ever in football history, in the NFL. I want to say that again to you. The biggest comeback ever. I'm sitting there watching with Colts fans at Gainbridge, and we cannot believe it. Um, do we have any of the – I should have asked for this before. We'll play it at some point. I've got video of Jeff Saturday talking about it. It's unbelievable. Jeff Saturday coaching your football team, whether it's high school or college, ain't great. That's it just ain't really, great. It's really falling apart in the fourth quarter. It's like 55 nothing scoring there. So yeah. like, the team used to be pretty good at finishing that. What do you think Again, self-inflicted wounds. Like if you look at it offensively, again, you know, you can't turn the ball over, you can't jump off sides on a short. You know, you can't. Th those kinds of mistakes ultimately cost you ball games. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously, you, it, it's a heartbreaking loss, right? You're frustrated, you're, you're disappointed. Um, 
we'll look back and know that self-inflicted wounds got us again. And, you know, those guys, listen, they're, they're, they, they understand this game and they know. And each of them will look at themselves and say, what could I have done differently? Um, no, no different than every coach in there is going to do, including myself. Self-inflicted wounds gives Jeff Saturday cover for being or not having a team ready at halftime. See, it gives the general manager, Ballard, cover. The general manager, when they came in, they went away from toughness. And I said this years ago and got ripped. They went away from accountability, the Colts did. The general manager went to relationships. We're having relationships. Okay. Well, guess what? What wins in the NFL is toughness and accountability. Colts have none of it. I've said it for years. So Jeff Saturday, uh, self-inflicted wounds, gives him cover. Not my fault. It's self-inflicted. It's crap. The entire Colts organization needs Ryan Grigson back. Ryan Grigson is the guy that instilled toughness. Ryan Grigson's the guy that actually instilled toughness in the Vikings. You think Ryan Grigson didn't have a good day yesterday, the fired, or two days ago? They fired him in Indy. He's in Minnesota, second in command, and they come back 36-33. Salute, my friend, Ryan Grigson. How awesome was that for him? But the Colts have no toughness. I've said it for years. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Uh, guy asked me, hey, Dan, uh, Jacoby Myers, why are you calling him an idiot? I don't know. Uh, I'm very thankful, or at least Chuck Pagano, you should be very thankful. The dumbest play in the history of football, your fake punt against New England, just got trumped by Jacoby Myers. I don't know what the hell he was trying to do. Chad Withrow, uh, you know him, you love him, you see him, you hear him on OutKick 360 joins us. I'm going first to the Colts, my man. Uh, some of my boys, even 33 to nothing, said live bet the Vikings. <laughs> That's where we're at here in Indy, Chad. I'm telling you, Dan, you and your boys that are on a text chain, if they've got that good of gambling information, you need to pay for or charge for subscriptions to that text chain so people can get in on tips like this. Uh, I, I mean, I'm watching that game and the full gamut of emotions from, boy, the Vikings are frauds and this record isn't showing anything. I saw one stat I wish I had it in front of me, but it was basically a comparison of the plus minus of the Vikings this year and the Nebraska Cornhuskers two years ago. And I think Nebraska two years ago was plus 23, but they were three and nine. And then this year's uh, Vikings team's 11 and three, and they're plus two on the season, point differential. So they've been lucky. Uh, it's good to be lucky at times. They were really good in that second half. Colts were great in the first half and absolutely horrific in that second half. It's incredible to watch that game and now think that Matt Ryan has been on the losing end of the biggest choke job in Super Bowl history and the biggest choke job in NFL regular season history, and he did it with two different teams. That, Dan, is a pro football Hall of Fame level worthy accomplishment uh, for Matt Ryan. He, he's in the record books for the wrong reason two different times now. Jason Whitlock tweeted out, hey, Jeff, Saturday, you're going to Canton, baby. You get to go to Canton. <laughs> um, what's going on with the Titans? Because the Jaguars are right there, my man. They're right there. A, a few things. Um, 
One, you know, they traded away AJ Brown, so they don't they don't have a deep threat. Traylon Burks was coming along. He gets knocked unconscious in the Philly game. He's not been back since. And then they've lost now exactly half of their starters from the start of the year. Um, so injuries are a problem with this team. You know, Mike Vrabel is going to sit and say, we don't use excuses. And I like that, that mindset. Yeah. But the fact is that that is a big excuse with this team. Dan, I don't think they were that good to, to begin with. We've talked all year about this division. I thought they were the best in a bad bunch. I still think they probably win the division because they're going to beat the Texans. And then the, the Jags are going to lose. You would think again, but now we don't, we don't exactly know that the way Jacksonville is playing. Um, but I watched that game yesterday and it's, it's sort of a microcosm of everything that's plagued this team. First play of the game, Ben Jones gets called for a 15 yard illegal chop block and the Titans have no chance. It's first and 22 at that point. They have no chance of picking up a first down. They go three and out second half. They can't do anything offensively until they come up with that one drive to go down and tie it at 14. It's just simply a team that, that can't do anything on offense, especially in the second half. Uh, they're the worst offensive team in the NFL, by far the worst offensive second-half team in the NFL. It, it's a franchise, I believe, that's in need of a complete reset and a rebuild, and whoever they hire for their next GM is going to be in charge of that rebuild. I guess you could argue that they could try to retool and bring in a left tackle next year and try to shore up that offensive line a little bit and then get Traylon Burks back healthy and see if they can win the division again. But the writing's on the wall. This is Jacksonville's division for the foreseeable future. They are the team on the rise. They have all the young talent. Trevor Lawrence is coming into his own. Titans are due for a fall, and I think that fall is going to come a lot quicker than Titans fans wanted. When you look across the NFL, let's go, let's go through a couple of things. Jacksonville yesterday, I don't know, is Trevor Lawrence all of a sudden becoming the guy that people thought – Trevor Lawrence would be, and I'll ask you another one. I don't – look, I could be dead wrong. You can have a totally different opinion, but I don't see anybody other than Jalen Hurts as the MVP of this league. I think Jalen Hurts has separated himself uh, I do too. quite a bit from Patrick Mahomes and, and others. I, I think it's him and Josh Allen. Uh, Josh Allen is effective. He was great on Saturday night, and that was another terrific game. What a great weekend in the NFL, starting with those games oh. on Saturday. But I think Josh Allen is always naturally going to get hurt a bit once you get into mid to late November because of where he plays, his statistics start to go down a bit naturally because of the weather at times in, in Buffalo. Uh, Jalen Hurts is the MVP right now. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Trevor Lawrence is becoming that guy that everyone thought he was going to be. Trevor Lawrence, the, the, the comp would have been Andrew Luck. When Andrew Luck came out of Stanford, yes. he was the no doubt. This is a generational quarterback. He is number one. There's no question about it. And he's going to be a franchise guy for years. Trevor Lawrence is the same guy coming out of Clemson. He he was a no-brainer, no doubt, number one overall pick, going to be a franchise guy. He's starting to look like that. I was very impressed with Lawrence because he had that great run with about two minutes and 15 seconds left. He gets popped at the end of the run, fumbles, gives the ball back to Dallas, and he doesn't sit over there and sulk. He comes back, and they get a three and out, and he gets the ball and goes down and leads his team down quickly for a field goal to tie it. That gets the overtime. Then they get the pick six, a bit of a fluky way to win the game for Jacksonville. But nonetheless, I thought they were dead at halftime, down two scores at home to Dallas. They rally, come back, force overtime, and win it. Trevor Lawrence is becoming that guy. He For that, for that division, he is clear-cut the guy 
the quarterback moving forward, and I'm talking about with all four teams, he he's the one in the AFC South. I agree. I, look, I mean, early in the season, I'd have said, eh, you know, has he really progressed? And then about two weeks ago, we started talking about it on here, like, wait a second here. Uh, this guy is rocking and rolling. Do you – tonight we've got, we got Baker Mayfield, all right? For some crazy, stupid reason, I am going to watch this game like I'm going to set up my evening to watch this game because for some stupid reason, I want to see Baker Mayfield. you have any interest in Baker Mayfield? I do. I, I've had do a lot have? of interest in Baker Mayfield. It's funny because Baker Mayfield, all the interest was with him in week one when he was playing against his former team, the Browns. Opened the season as the starter in Carolina. Did not have a lot of time to get ready. I think that really hurt him. I don't understand why Carolina didn't pull the trigger and get him into camp quicker than they did. I think that hurt him in Carolina. But yeah. then they lose that game. He's not any good. And immediately we don't care about Baker Mayfield anymore. Well, then Baker Mayfield goes to the Rams and on very short notice comes in and plays and wins. And now all of a sudden I'm with you, Dan. I'm interested in Baker Mayfield. There's also an 80% chance of snow in Green Bay tonight for this game. So I love watching snow games. That's another reason to watch. And if you and your text group would give me some gambling advice, I may have another reason to watch because it seems like your guys have all the answers. So I need whatever tip your team of experts have on, on this game tonight. No, it's it, 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 it's Colts fans that know the Colts. That was it. It was like the second half, the Colts were get, are giving 26 and a half. And every guy on this is a Colts fan, and they're like, hey, look, we've seen this party before. Nobody thought the Colts were going to win, although a couple did bet at Moneyline. But it, that's just Colts fans being ridiculous yeah. and, be, and being Colts fans. All right, if I said to you right now, in the AFC, in the playoffs, give me a team you don't want to play. Is there a team? I'm going to give you one. I'm going to say, for whatever the reason, the Chargers. I think the Chargers are a good one because Herbert, uh, watching that game yeah. against the Titans yesterday, he made two throws. The one, the last one we saw to set up the game-winning field goal to, to Mike Williams. I mean, there's maybe two guys in the NFL, maybe three, that can make that throw. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to Mahomes and Josh Allen uh, and Herbert. I mean, there's not many people – that can roll right, running towards the sideline, and just drop it in someone's lap deep down the field the way he did to Mike Williams on that play. I think the Chargers are one of them. I mean, I'm going to give you a, a pretty obvious one, uh, but there it's a team that you know may not have the highest seed when all said and done, but it's Cincinnati. I do think they're going to win the, the AFC North, so they're going to host a playoff game. Um, but we slept on Cincinnati after that 0-2 start to the season, and they stubbed their toe a few times. But they are really putting it together. If the Titans are a team headed in reverse, and they are, the Bengals, ever since that Titans win, they're doing the right things. That's the first ever home loss for Tom Brady where he's won or he's led by 17 points in the game. He was 89 and 0 in his career when leading by at least 17 at home until Joe Burrow and the Bengals came to town and won that game yesterday. So I'm very impressed with them. Their defense is starting to come alive as well. If Jamar Chase can stay healthy, I'm going to say Cincinnati right now. If it's not going to be Buffalo, who I'm I'm picking, picked him to start of the year, and still I I want Buffalo in that story to move on and win the AFC. But if it's not going to be Buffalo, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Cincinnati's into the Super Bowl for a second straight season. 
right, you may be soccer guy. I, I don't know. But was that World Cup the best soccer match us Americans have ever seen? So, Dan, I am not a soccer guy, uh, probably a lot like you. But we do have this thing on Fridays on Outkick 360 where we we say, what's going to be the headline? We try to play Nostradamus and pick what the headline is on Monday. And I just took a flyer and said, I think the headline is going to be something crazy happens in the World Cup final. And that's what people are going to be talking about. I don't know what it is, but it's either going to be a great game or it's going to be a blowout or there's going to be an incident. And we're going to be talking about whatever happens between Argentina and France. Turned out to be a great game. I follow soccer experts, and they're all saying it's the best World Cup final in history. Uh, I'll take them at their word. I haven't watched all the World Cup finals. I haven't read up on the ones pre-TV, but I'll take their word on it. Um, I I watched highlights of it. I was I had a, a church function with my daughter and was away for most of the day yesterday. Didn't get a chance to watch it live, but seeing the reaction pour in on social media with everyone, even people that I would think would be watching the NFL at the time that were reacting to what they saw yesterday between Argentina and France was was pretty cool to watch. I don't know if you've seen it, Dan, but that drone footage of the celebration in Buenos Aires is remarkable. I, I could watch that all day. Really cool to see an event like that that brings patriotism to the forefront, brings a country together like that. I'm happy for the people of Argentina watching that video. And it was a terrific match. And Lionel Messi goes out on top, which is cool. See, here's the deal. I You mentioned Messi, all right? I love the fact that the stars came out. Messi, two goals. Mbappe, three goals. That made it even more intriguing because I've always said this, Chad, mostly in baseball. I know football it is as well, every sport. But you got to shine in the biggest moments. Like I always hear about Mike Trout. He's the greatest player in baseball. And I'm sure he is. But you got to play it. You got to do it in the playoffs. You got to do it in the World Series. And when the big guys shine in the biggest moments, I think that makes it even grander. Yeah, I think one knock on, um, to me, this is just personal preference. And maybe it's because I'm so Americanized with sports. And I'm sure international soccer fans would say I'm being an ugly American for saying this. But I can't get as into soccer and hockey because the biggest stars in the sport so rarely can just take over a game. What I love about basketball, what I love about football, is even in football where there's 22 guys in the field at once, the greatest players have the ability to take over a game and almost single-handedly win the game when they're on and when they're at their best. Certainly basketball is that way, and we've seen that for years, and I respect that part of the sport. But if I'm going to know someone's name like Mbappe or Messi, I'm expecting them to play like they did in that, that World Cup final. I'm expecting multiple goals. I'm expecting when their team needs a goal, they go down and score a goal. And that's just not the nature of the sport. And I understand that. Same goes with hockey at times. Um, you know, you watch games, and because of the way the line shifts work and everything else, you're not always seeing the guy that's the biggest goal scorer. He can't just single-handedly take over a game that often. It happens, but not as often. So it's harder for me to get, get into those sports for that reason. But you're right, Dan. This was one instance where I felt like soccer was almost very Americanized in this final with the stars being stars, and then you have the the penalty kick shootout in the end. I, I, it was terrific theater. And really, the World Cup, you know, all the, the stuff and cutter aside and everything going on there, which made it a little bit weird to watch, 
I thought the drama from the actual games was really good, start to finish. Uh, Got to ask you about Dansby Swanson. I am a Cub fan. Mm-hmm. I love the Cubs. I feel like Swanson and Nico Horner up the middle is going to be nice for my Cubs. What are we getting here, big boy? You're getting a really, really good baseball player. Uh, he is a guy that, um, you know, I, I'm not – he's not a star, but with Dansby Swanson with the Braves, and I know I know Dylan can talk about this too, your producer who's a big Braves fan, when he's good, he's great. He's a guy who's going to have a two-month stretch for you probably every year where he is going to almost single-handedly help your team win a lot of games. He's that good when he gets hot as a hitter. He goes through slumps too. He had one this past season. Um, he's great in the field. I mean, probably, uh, if not the best, one of the two or three best defensive shortstops in baseball. I'm jealous, Dan. I I love Dansby Swanson. I understand the Braves have Vaughn Grissom waiting in the wings, who looks to be pretty good also, and they've got some options at shortstop. But I was a little surprised when he signed with the Cubs, and he's going into more of a rebuild situation with them. Um, He's an Atlanta kid. He's from the area. He played his college baseball at Vanderbilt. But you're getting a heck of a baseball player. Uh, I, I just think of Dansby Swanson, and I think of a guy who just does everything well. And uh, th- those guys are becoming more and more prominent in the game, even though it's much more of a hit a home run or strike out type game. You're seeing some guys like that. And I think Dansby Swanson is kind of one of those throwback guys who's just a really smart player, great defensively, knows how to play play the game, and just helps his team win in multiple different ways. That's what I'm talking about. That All right. A lot of people asking me, you got Chad on, he's got to talk about the Vols and the opt-outs. What what are we seeing here in the Orange Bowl against Clemson? Yeah, so so far, um, Cedric Tillman has opted out, the receiver, which I I don't blame him because he's had ankle issues all season regardless and hasn't played in many of the games down the stretch. So that would make sense to get completely healthy. Jalen Hyatt surprised me a little bit. Jalen Hyatt signs an NIL deal with Hyatt Hotels. That helps to pay for all of his teammates' parents to stay in on South Beach in Miami for that bowl game, and then he opts out of the Orange Bowl. I, I thought when he signed that, I'm thinking, oh, well, he's going to play because that's part of the deal with the NIL deal, that he's going to be there and play. Him not playing did surprise me. Look, I, I get that if someone's telling you you're going to be a first-round pick, you can't risk it, and you're talking to an agent, you, know, you, you, you make that decision, whatever's best for you. But then I see what Alabama's doing, and I think, man, that, that would have been nice nice for Tennessee also. And every player's got to make their own individual decision. I'm past getting mad at guys for doing it. But what I'll always do, Dan, is I'm not going to crush the kids that decide to go ahead and get ready for the draft. But I will praise the ones that play. So let me give a shout-out to Tennessee to Darnell Wright, who's a possible second, third-round NFL draft pick. He announces he's not going to come back for his last year of eligibility, but says he owes it to his teammates and the fan base to play in this Orange Bowl. And he looks forward to suiting it up one more time with his teammates in the Orange Bowl. I applaud him for doing that. I applaud Will Anderson and Bryce Young of Alabama. I'm never going to stop giving praise to the players that decide to go out there and follow through with their commitment to their team and play with their teammates one more time. I think that's an admirable quality. I know Nick Saban says the one way to give yourself value in football is to play football, and that's what he talks about with his with his players a lot. I think it's really cool to see guys who want to step up and finish it out, regardless of what bowl game they're in, and they want to play that one final game. So I'm not going to knock the kids 
that decide to to opt out and go to the draft, but I'm absolutely going to heap praise on those that decide to stick with it and play that final game and see it through. What do you got on the show? We've got a full reaction to a big uh, NFL weekend today. Jonathan Hutton and I will have everything for you. We're going to talk a little bit about that World Cup final also. And Dan, I know you're talking about it, but a big weekend in college basketball uh, that we're going to recap with some big-time matchups. Some lived up to the hype, some did not, and we'll talk about those starting at 3 p.m. Eastern time on OutKick 360. Thanks, my friend. Thank you. Dan, always fun. Thanks, buddy. All right. That's Chad Withrow. OutKick 360 is absolutely fan-freaking-tastic. Coming up, I got stock up, stock down, including Elon Musk, just because, Taylor Lorenz, just because she's an idiot. But anyway, back to the college basketball. Look, here's the deal. As an Indiana guy, and I'm wearing my Indiana shirt here right now, you want your team to win. Then there's no reason that Indiana basketball doesn't win. There's absolutely none. People can say, well, you know, this, that, or the other. No, you got to win, and it's been 20 some years. And I look at a school like Tennessee. Take Tennessee, for example. Rick Barnes comes in there, and next thing you know, they don't win every game. But when they play in big games, I got to tell you, when they play in big games, they are right down the stretch, right down until the end. Indiana, we go play in big games and we get our brains beat out. The city of Indianapolis, I got to tell I don't know what we're doing. I got to ask you, what are we doing? The Colts can't hold a 33-point lead. Indiana can't come within 20 of good teams. Now, Purdue, you got to give Purdue a little bit of credit, don't you? Purdue, I watched the other day play Davidson. Purdue is a good basketball team. I don't think they're a great basketball team. They'll do fine in the Big Ten. They may win the Big Ten. Hell, Indiana may win the Big Ten. I don't know. But the Big Ten and its thick ankles, as my friend Rob Lemley says, the Big Ten's just a thick ankle league. It's just thick ankles. Maybe that's where Indiana needs to be. Get back home. Play Elon. Get yourself Jackson State. Get yourself a team that, frankly, you can handle, not a big-time team. Maybe Indiana deserves to be, thank you, Sandy Ross, deserves to be in the MAC. I think I got it figured out. Uh, Dan, IU would have boat raced Davidson, but Purdue would have had a dogfight with Kansas. You know, that's what we are in the great state of Indiana. That's where we're at. We would have. We could have. We should have. We might have. We used to. No. That ain't what it's supposed to be about, ladies and gentlemen. It's supposed to be about we do. Period. I mean, let's take Gonzaga. Gonzaga every year. They do. They do. What do they do? They win. They're there. They're always around it. Duke. They're always around it with freshmen. Indiana, never around it. Gets beat by St. Mary's. Arizona, we listened for years. I'm being literal, years with Arizona. Sean Miller's cheating. Sean Miller's fired. Sean Miller should be fired. Why isn't he fired? He should be, whatever, blah, 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 blah. You know what they do? They hire a guy. They're in the top 10. Explain that to me. Kansas, oh, Assistant coach should be going to jail. This guy's suspended. That guy's a bad guy. This guy's a horrible guy. You know what they do? They win a national championship. Do you know how many players are in the great state of Kansas that play at Kansas? Do you know? I'll give you the answer. None. 
Maybe one. Maybe one at some point. Maybe. Maybe. But Indiana, right there in the heart of basketball, we can't get it done. Auburn hires Bruce Pearl. Guess what? Auburn's in the top 20. Purdue goes out and gets a bunch of guys from Indiana. Got a kid from Wheatfield or Westfield or whatever the hell it is. Found some big guy up in Canada. Indiana, we bring guys on campus and we treat them like they're God. They ain't God. They ain't even good when they get here. They're all right. Man, have you seen this kid? No. Is he great? Oh, he's great. If we get this kid, where is he from? Atlanta. Oh, okay. Does he understand anything about Indiana basketball? No. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, I get it. Okay. Explain this to me. Gonzaga. Baylor. Baylor had a murder. A murder among their team. And they're in the national championship. They win a national championship. Baylor. Baylor could have everything go perfect. And they wouldn't win a national championship. They shouldn't over Indiana, should they? Or you tell me. I'm losing my mind right now on college basketball. Just losing my mind. Uh, it's early in the season. It is. I, it, I, it is. It is. It is. It is. It is. But son of a biscuit maker. It's about time Indiana basketball and its coaching staff gets off its backside, cuts out the saunas, cuts out the naps, coaches some offense. And wins a game against a good team. Now, you know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. Uh, you know and I know. They're going to beat a crap team. And next thing you know, everybody's going to tell me, Shoot, Dawkins, you don't know nothing. Oh, they'll beat a decent team in the Big Ten. Shoot, Dawkins, no, I'm rooting for you. But I'm also watching going, man, Arizona. I, I, Arizona's I, – didn't I just – did I read? Did, did, did I not read? Did I read that Arizona's going through three years of crap? Did I read that Kansas has got guys in jail? Auburn, Chuck Person going to jail? They're in the top 20? What, 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 what? Did I not see that? Did I miss that somewhere? Man, oh, man. Dan, I saw Woodson's daughter killed you. Yeah, she killed me. And daddy-daughter relationships are unbelievable. They're the best. There's nothing better than a daddy-daughter relationship. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I applaud it. I do. I applaud her. Hey, I hope my daughter goes at people. I don't want her to. She's asked me if she could, and I always say, no, leave it alone. But that's all right. That's all right. Hey, Dan, I don't care about naps and saunas. The guy got IU basketball into the tournament with a cast of subpar players. I always liked your acerbic wit. Layoff Woodson, great career with Indiana besides it. Yeah, I don't care. No, nah, I don't care. Nah, I don't want to hear it. I don't care about his career in Indiana. Get to work. Get off your ass and get to work. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time. It's a Monday staple that you know and you love. Do you know the name Frank Gore? Frank Gore is a legendary running back, a legendary football player toughness, all that kind of stuff. Frank Gore played in the NFL until he was 172 years old. Frank Gore, as a running back, now Frank Gore, well, he became a fighter. Frank Gore has a son. By the way, his name, Tegan, is Frank Gore Jr. All right? 
So Frank Gore Jr. is, by all accounts, oh, a running back. So Frank Gore Jr. goes to school at Southern Miss. Bull game. Southern Miss against Rice. What does Frank Gore Jr. do? Frank Gore Jr. goes for 329 yards rushing for Southern Miss against Rice. Now, I got to tell you, that is stock up. Frank Gore decides, I'm going to have a kid. Frank Gore's kid decides he's going to be a running back. Frank Gore's kid runs for 329. There was a great scene after he pushes his hand away. He's doing an interview. He's a serious kid. And I like everything about Frank Gore. He was awesome to me uh, at Colts camp one day. He just came out. I was doing my show next to the building. He just came out, sat. We just had a chat, asked me where I was from. I asked him. We talked. And he was awesome. So I'm a big Frank Gore fan. His son, by proxy, I'm a Frank Gore son fan. God bless you. 329, Southern Mississippi, over Rice. Now, we've seen how this goes, and I want you all to pay attention to me right here. We've seen the ESPNers. We've seen Jalen Rose get himself a DUI. We've seen a guy named like Harry Lyles get a DUI. Not Harry Styles. Uh, I think his name is Lyles. Get himself a DUI. And guess what? They got new shows. You get a DUI as long as you are, as long as you fit the right profile at ESPN, you get a show when you do something stupid. Uh, it's just what you get. I would assume that Amari Stoudemire fits into this. I would assume that Amari uh, Stoudemire, oh, I don't know. After being arrested for uh, assaulting his daughter, punching his daughter, whether he did it or not, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I just know that he got arrested for it. He's charged with battery uh, after hitting his daughter, his teenage daughter in the face. He was arrested, had a post $1,500 bond, a no contact order was issued. A Stoudemire allegedly struck one of his two teenage daughters during an argument. He has two daughters, 17 and 14. He confronted the girl and accused her of being disrespectful to his mother. During a phone call, she denied it. He told her, you're talking back again and punched her in the jaw leaving her breathing, allegedly, allegedly, I'm saying this all, allegedly, the girl contacted her mother, Stoudemire's ex-wife came to the house, picked up the two girls and their two brothers and called the police. They went to Stoudemire's house. He told them the teenage girl was sad because she received a whooping from him for being disrespectful and a liar. And then he decided to remain silent. He said, I could never see myself assaulting any person, especially my children. I respect, protect, and love my children, particularly my as a father. I ask for your grace, and we secure our space and privacy. Oh, yeah? All right. There's a report that Stoudemire also invoked his Jewish faith. Good for him. God bless you. See, when you work at ESPN, and you're Harry Lyles, and you get a DUI. You're Jalen Rose, and you get a DUI. Or you get a show. You get a show. 
Hey, what are you talking about? Never give me a show. Amari Stoudemire probably get a show. I mean, you see him all the time on ESPN. History dictates that if you're that kind of dumbass, which Rose and Lyles are, they get a show. And apparently Stoudemire is as well. So thumbs down, stock down, Amari Stoudemire, although I'm sure that everyone will cover for you. And I'm sure that you now, after invoking your right to remain silent, are going to be telling the truth. God bless you. Godspeed. And what a jackass. How's that? Uh, I don't know what to tell you, but Devin Book is pretty good. How in the Sam and Henry did the Kentucky team with all those guys not win a national championship? So Devin Booker Saturday night decides, hey, look, we're playing against the Pelicans. I've heard enough about Zion Williams. He goes and scores 25 straight points. Now, I want you to think about that. Scores 58 in total. Scores 25, 58, a 24-point comeback over the Pelicans. You know what he said? I was just making shots, man. I've been in a bit of a slump. I just got to keep shooting. That's what I live by. I was put in the right situation to make the right plays. I usually just want to make the right play every time. But once I get it going a little bit, you know, shooting over a hand is the right play. Third most in his career, the most ever in a victory, fifth 50-point game of Booker's career, and all the other crap that goes along with it. Tenth player in NBA history to have three games with 55 or more, joining Wilt Chamberlain, and I don't include Harden in that, uh, Michael Jordan, Elgin Baylor, Kobe Bryant, Rick Barry, LeBron James, and then a couple other guys that are still in the end, Lillard and Irving, but ah, there you go. Uh, heading into the game, he was averaging just 15 and a half in his previous five, so he decides, guess what? I'm going to go ahead and drop 58 on him. 58. Mm. Huh. Well, if you thought that your college basketball team was bad, and I certainly think that my college basketball team is bad, at least when they play good teams, then we got to take a look, ladies and gentlemen. We got to take a look at Cal. Yes, Cal, where everyone is smarter than you. Cal basketball is currently, ladies and gentlemen, 0 and 12. 0 and 12. Now, let me go through this for you a little bit. Cal basketball just lost to Santa Clara. Butler beat them. Eastern Washington beat them. Arizona beat them. USC beat them. Clemson beat them. TCU beat them. Texas State beat them. Southern beat them. UC San Diego with Steve Lavin, of all people, beat them. And Kansas State beat them. UC Davis beat them. It's not exactly a murderer's row. I'm a big fan of the head coach, uh, Mark Fox. I am. I think Mark Fox did a terrific, terrific job at Georgia. Mark Fox is now at Cal. Mark Fox is 0-12. You can't quit. You got to stay. And hopefully you can stay the course. A lot of great coaches started out over. A lot of great coaches have really struggled. But I got to tell you, 0-12, oh, 
one thing you got to do. I mean, I mean, you got to do it. There's got to be, if you know your team is no good, there's got to be like a UC Pomona Beach South cheerleading team in there. There's got to be. You cannot play you at, at a school like Cal or a Power 5 school. There have got to be two early games where you just know you're going to win. You know you're going to win. I don't care if we play my seventh team. You know we're going to win. That's what it has to be. Period. No questions asked. And if anybody complains about it, so what? Why do you think Indiana plays Jackson State or they play Elon? Why do you think Calvin Sampson has made a career with the Chicago States of the world? Please. You got to get your team out of the funk and feel good. Look, pro tip. Right before Christmas when I was at Bowling Green, uh, if we didn't have a game that we had to play somewhere, I would find legitimately the worst team in the state of Ohio. Now, the state of Ohio has more colleges than any state ever. I mean, there's Division One through Division Twelve, And I always came to Urbana. So before Christmas, we would schedule Urbana at home. The coach was a friend of mine, really good coach. It's just a terrible job. So I would schedule Urbana or Wilmington or whatever it was, a Division 18, because we were going to have a Merry freaking Christmas. The Dockages were going to have a Merry Christmas because when you lose at Christmas, oh, my God, oh, you capesta, my eyes are burning. It is horrible, particularly being around a guy like me, because I'm not going to lie. My family, my kids were secondary. I wanted to win, period. That's it. Boom. So, Mark Fox, I hope you win. I really like you, but I also hope that you learn. Uh, stock down to anybody in Indiana that is currently criticizing me. You can kiss the, you know what, the backside. Elon Musk stopped, stopped up just because. Let me explain something to you, ladies and gentlemen. Elon Musk is a billionaire. Elon Musk is traveling to Mars. Elon Musk bought Twitter. Elon Musk is doing so many things. And a little bit like Donald Trump, he didn't need to buy Twitter. Trump didn't need to be president. He was never called a racist before he was president or before he ran for president. Now he's a racist. And of course, now everybody speaks ill and evil of Elon Musk. Why? Because we all know the left is mad about free speech. So Elon Musk decides, look, not only am I going to buy Twitter, not only am I going to expose everything in Twitter, I'm going to respond to the trolls that put out misinformation. God bless you, Elon Musk. God bless you. One of my goals, and I know Clay has done this, but one of my goals is to get a response from Elon Musk. He will respond to people. Now, he doesn't need this. What does he need this for? What does he need the headache of Twitter for? What does he need the headache of every slap in America coming at him? He don't need it. But you know what? He's out there doing it. I don't like this. Should I step down as head of Twitter? I will abide by the results of this poll. No. No, 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 no. No. Anyway, at the end of the day, 
I don't want him stepping down. I want him more powerful. At some point, what he did with the Twitter files and what he continues to do, the legacy media will pick it up. It will become the next Watergate. Because at some point, even the most dishonest of us all, the print media, the legacy media, they got to come clean. At least we should demand that they come clean. Hell, I don't know. But that's how I look at it. Salute to you, Elon Musk. Salute, my friend. And you're not, I don't even know you. But you are my friend because, well, you're out there doing stuff. You are. You're out there doing stuff. All right. Taylor Lorenz. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. You could line up before this uh, disgusting, horrendous, ridiculous, hateful, cowardly human being decided to cry, decided to go ambush the libs of TikTok. I couldn't have picked Taylor Lorenz out of a lineup. But if you look at a picture of Taylor Lorenz, the word D-bag just comes through. The word little millennial D-bag shines through brightly. Apparently, she is some sort of reporter for the Washington Post. Apparently, she's somewhat of an investigative reporter that goes after it. So she shows up at the libs of TikTok's house, the lady who runs the libs of TikTok. Well, they're like, get the hell out of here. She ambushes them. Somebody then kind of does the same thing to her. You know what she does? She cries. She whines. She moans. She, like other journalists, were treated like all of us, the same, and got because of doxing, because of real-time doxing, got kicked off of Twitter. So what does the media do? The media whines about it. The media complains about it. The media says we're supposed to be treated better than you. No, you're not. Actually, you should be treated worse than us because normal working Americans are out there doing what? Being normal and working. Media people are plotting. Media people are biasing. Media people are scheming. Always scheming. Let me ask you a question. If you read anything about me, have you ever read in the Indie Star about my bikes program? Have you ever read about me and my wife pulling people out of a car that flipped over three times on the way to Marco Island? Did you ever read about myself and my friend Cam Safali pulling a lady out of a ravine? Of course not. Media, particularly in Indianapolis, you'll never read about that. Why? Because I go at them for doing a horrible job. They're terrible at their job. But when something doesn't go right, you're going to read about it. That's the media we live in. That's Taylor Lorenz. You're never going to read from Taylor Lorenz about anybody doing anything positive that isn't in her little sphere of awfulness. And it is a sphere of awfulness. It's a huge sphere of awfulness, as it is with Greg Doyle of the Indy Star, uh, all your folks at the Washington Post, Dana Bem, all of them. It's a, They're awful, horrendous. But... They can't wait to come at those that call them out. But boy, do they hate it. Oh, my God. They can say, hey, Taylor Lorenz, libs of TikTok are awful. They can go at them. But come back at her, they cry. Come back at the folks at your local newspaper, they cry. They can say the quarterback should be bust out of town for not being vaxxed. 
but say, oh, I don't know, Greg Doyle, that there's going to be body bags at the 500. Archie Miller is a great home run hire, grand slam hire. If you send your son to college, it's like sending him to Vietnam. They can be wrong about everything. Call them out, they cry. So Taylor Lorenz, you are the opposite, actually, the complete and total opposite of a media that is unbiased, strong, and truthful. And for that, I must say, you suck. You just do. All you guys suck. You can whine, you can complain, but you guys suck. Uh, Dan, a lady tried to sue me after I got her out of a burning car. I had to break a bone to do it. Ryan Mueller says, hey, Dan, I'm still waiting for all those body bags <laughs> at the Indy 500. We'll read. Uh, let's see. Dan, you should be in charge of Twitter. Yeah, I don't think so. Mm -mm. Dan, Taylor Lorenz was born into a very, very, very wealthy family. Dan, Tesla stock is down 63% year to date. Okay. What are you going to do? I wouldn't sell. In fact, I'd buy. I think you should all buy. I'm going to buy. What do you want me to do? Dan, Connie Harris says, did people think that Musk was going to be CEO forever? That, ladies and gentlemen, is a fantastic point. The YouTube chat will never, ever, ever disappoint. No, it won't. Dan, Archie Miller wasn't a home run hire. It was a grand slam hire, according to Doyle. I don't know what to tell you. They never get it right. I never get personal, but when I call them out, damn, do they get personal. I don't know what to tell you. I don't get personal. Just tell you, you're bad at your jobs. Taylor Lorenz got awful at her job, and good for Elon Musk to get rid of all of these clowns or to keep exposing these clowns. It is glorious. All right, we got woke dope Who's our woke dope of the day, big boy? Uh-oh, I can't see it. I got to look here. Wait, hang on, caller. What is it? What is it? What is it? Oh, no. It's not up on my screen. I'm a little bit behind, and this screen is too small. Can you put it on my return? Oh, no. My woke dope Anyway. Uh, I, I got all right. Hold on. Drag queen pulls baloney out of his crotch, eats it, feeds it to backup dancers. One parent suggests it's like watching Disney. Um, that's awesome. That that's awesome. Um, I don't understand it, and I need to do this every day. Um, I need to do every day a question. The question is, why do we keep drag queens, exploiting children, and why are parents so stupid? I think that's the bigger question. Um, I, I think that's the bigger question. Why are parents so stupid? Can you answer that for me? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I would ask you this simple question. If somebody said to you, hey, look, down the street, um, there's a drag show. And we're going to have, um, you know, what drag shows have. 
Would you take your kids? And then if someone flopped their boobs around, asked your kid to tuck a box, pulled a hot dog or sausage out of their crotch, would you actually think that that's a damn good thing to do? Would you actually think that that's something that, you know what, I'm glad I took my child to. Of all the things you could take your children to, of all the things, is that something that you would take your child to and then say, wow, it was like Disney? I mean, honest to God, it's like Disney. Ed B says there's brainwashing going on. Uh, Marby Dog says, I missed that Disney movie. Yeah. Fred Haviland says, Blake Hoffarger, that's a kid who hit a shot uh, against me and freed me to become a media member, which was the best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, I ask you, I do, is that something that you would take a Saturday afternoon and go, hey, all right, fun times with my little kid. I taught her how to be inclusive. No, you wouldn't. No, idiots do. Brainwashed folks do. And Spice Rack says that's grooming. Of course that's grooming. It's exactly what it is. It's grooming. And I don't get it. Hey, Dan, Bill Martin says my kid is 42, and I wouldn't take him to it. I don't disagree. Isn't it a sad, sad world that we live in? It's a sad, 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 sad world. Uh, tell you what I did. I took my daughter to Florida with me yesterday. Daddies and daughters have the greatest relationship ever. Those of you that have listened to my show, you remember when we moved a few years ago, we felt that the movers had stolen something from my daughter and my stepdaughter, Tegan. What was their first move? Tegan's first move was to call her father. Laura's first move was to call me. Laura's my daughter. That's the daddy-daughter relationship. And I got to tell you, it's the greatest. So this weekend, if we could show the tweets, I, I, if we still have them, this weekend, Indiana played, and they played awful. They were terrible. They have been terrible against good teams. And I sent out a very, very, very sharp tweet about the coach, Mike Woodson. You see it right there. Now, the truth of the matter is, Mike Woodson, I'm not saying, I guess, I've heard it's three a day. I've heard it's, it's, that's what we do, but it's very critical. Very, very critical, as you can read right there. Time for Woodson to stop with the three naps, stop with the constant watching of CNN, which is what they watch. It's not a political thing. That's what's on the TV, according to one of their coaches. Actually put time in coaching the team offensively and defensively. Randy Whitman, a former legend who I like, not anymore, I'm sure he doesn't like me, is supposedly a paid advisor, longtime NBA coach. What's he do? What do these guys coach? And predictably, Indiana fans wanted to crush me. Some like me. But even more predictable, Mariah Woodson. Oh, shut up, she says to me. It's time for you to get a life. So this 31-year-old influencer is telling me how to live. Now, if you click the link by her, it's for some, I don't know, pyramid thing. All right. You have way too much time on your hands. I've never met the young lady. Why don't you put in put time in finding a hobby, you miserable prick? Well, I got to tell you, I got a lot of hobbies. And I respect young Miss Woodson. 
for defending her father. I would expect nothing less. The daddy-daughter relationship is awesome. The daddy-daughter relationship is stunningly good. There is nothing wrong with this young lady supporting Pops because it looks like Pops supports her as a 31-year-old young woman. So that's great. Fathers will always support their daughters. My daughter could be made. My daughter's a teacher. She's a teacher in Williamson, Tennessee, where Clay, I think she's in Clay's district. Okay. I will always support and she will always support me. The daddy daughter relationship is beautiful. But I got to tell you, just because a little daughter is mad, that doesn't have any effect on me and Indiana basketball. Indiana basketball is in my DNA. Indiana basketball is one of the building blocks of who I am. You can like it. You can dislike it. You can make all the jokes you want, but that's what it is. 17 years, my heart and soul into it, punching night, getting punched. I mean, the whole deal was insane for 17 years. I should write a book. So nobody, whether it's a daughter or a writer or whatever, is it doesn't matter. And I'll take all of the haters coming at me. You are welcome to come at me. It's at Dan Dockich on Twitter for my takes on Indiana basketball. I am with Indiana basketball winner top. That's it. I ain't with Indiana basketball when they lose by 20 at Kansas, by 20 Arizona, by 20 at Rutgers. I ain't into it. I lived it. I loved it. I still love it. It's part of my DNA. So criticize all you'd like, but I ain't stopping. But I do say to Mariah Woodson, good for you. There'll be more that you can come at me, and there's more names that as you try to become the person God wants you to be, that you can swear at me. And I embrace it. You should. It's your father. You have an obligation to protect him. Salute to you. All right. Um, when we come back, it'll be tomorrow. And when we come back, it'll be a great show. When we come back, it'll be fun because that's what we do. I hope everybody has a great day. You know what I'm doing right now? My throat's a little sore, not feeling great, not as great, but I'm going to the beach. Damn right. I am not a miserable, as the young lady said. I'm one of the most fun dudes you're ever going to meet, and I'm going to the beach. Then you know what I'm doing? I'm going to play pickleball. That's right. Later on this week, Urban Meyer might be in studio. We're going golfing on Thursday. So he might be in studio. I doubt it. He probably won't get here until it's about time to go golfing. But if he is, we'll just sit him down and have a chat. I hope everybody has a great day. I'm going to name you guys that are on the YouTube chat right now. There's about 400 of you. But here's the guys on the chat. My man, Alan Cashman, Bob Chambers, BS, Eastside Marshals, Ed B, Fred Haviland, Iron Man, Marby Dog, Mark Cohen, Mike Hoke, Outkick is on, Ryan Mueller. Sean Paris, Spice Rack, The Over Creek. Have a great afternoon, everybody. I'll talk to you at 9 a.m. tomorrow right here.